0: You're listening to Karnataka Coffee Chat. Carnatic Music Aficionado's Delight.
1: Hi everybody, this is Deepika and you're listening to the Karnataka Coffee Chat.
0: This is Mark Stone. I'm from Michigan in the United States and I'm here in Chennai. I've been here for one week and I've been very impressed with the hospitality of everyone and the quality of the music.
1: Great. So, uh, going back, you've got this wonderful interest of... Uh, you know, world, percussion world, music. Yes. And uh, tell me how you initially uh, got your passion towards learning music In it's most simple terms. How did you get to music? Oh.
0: Well, um, when I was six years old, I started playing the marimba. Mm-hmm. I had a neighbor who was a marimba player. He was the older man who had multiple sclerosis, MS. So he was wheelchair bound. But he had a classic marimba. Um... One of the things that introduced the marimba to the United States was uh, the King George Marimba Band. So he had one of the King George Marimbas from uh, the Chicago World's Fair in the 30s. And he had this gorgeous instrument in his living room. And um, he just offered my dad to teach me lessons. Uh, my, My dad used to go and help him because he had MS, so it was hard for him to do certain things around the house and in the yard work and so on. And so he actually offered to teach me for free, no charge, from the age of six um, until I was 12 years old. He passed away. His name was Phil Schutz, And so he's like my musical father. He introduced me to the marimba, which is an instrument of African origin that came to the United States um, via, actually via Mexico. So it came up to the United States about 100 years ago. So it's relatively new to the United States, but that's the instrument that I started playing remember, from 6.
1: So has your family also been involved into music before or is, is this the first generation that's actually taking up music?
0: No, I have some family members who play. Um, I have a cousin who is a great piano player. He's pursuing a PhD at Eastman. I have another cousin who's a bass player. Um, I have a grandmother who played the mandolin Wow. came from Germany, but my parents weren't musicians though, they were teachers, uh-huh. so I got that from them. I'm also a teacher myself, I teach at the university, Oakland University, um, and so yeah, I learned a lot about teaching just by being around them growing up, so that's how I got my passion for teaching.
1: And what do they teach, your dad and mom?
0: My, they're both retired now, but um, my mom was an elementary teacher, teaching uh, first grade, uh-huh. so I don't think... You use the British system here, so it's like P1. (laughs) And my dad taught special education, Uh so handicapped students. And he spent his career doing that.
1: So, how difficult is it to play the marimba?
0: Well, I mean, when you get to start at such a young age, that's a big advantage. So, um, I learned so young, it's hard to remember, but... You know, growing up, I mean, it was just something I enjoyed doing. I had a teacher who made it fun. Um, the marimba, the one we have in the U.S., is a little bit like the piano. It's only f- about four or five octaves. And um, you can play melodically with just two mallets, or you can hold four mallets and play chords and so on. It does take a lot of practice, just like any instrument, but I don't think it's uh, any harder than other instruments. It's It has a unique sound, and... Um, you just have to practice.
1: And that makes me ask you, how long was, were your practice sessions when you were, uh, you know, kind of getting into this groove and when you started learning, how uh, long did you practice?
0: I think when I was a, a kid, I only practiced like one hour a day. But as I got older, I practiced more and more and got into other percussion. So I started playing the drum set and other American percussion instruments. Then I was practicing much more than that. And by the time I was uh, 18, I went to the University of Michigan mm-hmm. and did a, a bachelor's degree in percussion. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, I used to like practice eight hours a day. So oh by that point, there's was a lot of practicing and a lot of instruments, you know, the marimba, the vibraphone, timpani, uh, wow. snare drum, uh, all of these different instruments. Uh, the, the primary instruments you find in the United States. That's uh,
1: like this whole group of percussion yeah. instruments you can... Uh... You know, probably yeah. for
0: India. In the United States, although some people might specialize in timpani or marimba or vibraphone, um, as a bachelor's student, you're expected to be able to play all of them proficiently mm-hmm. before you specialize in any one area. So yeah, we had to spend a lot of time practicing. And, and many of us in the United States are, I guess what you'd call, multi-percussionists mm-hmm. because we play several different percussion instruments.
1: Mm-hmm. So what did you think your... Uh, you know, you're like qualified and you've done your research, you've done your graduation and post-graduation around uh, percussion. So what did you think these courses taught you? I mean, you definitely learned a lot of things practically, but what difference did these courses make to you as a musician?
0: Well, my teacher at the university is a man named Michael Udow. And he is a guru who's had many great percussion students. But one thing that he taught all of us was how to get a really good sound out of the instrument. It starts with sound, even the, the word marimba, the, the word, uh, the imba part of it means sound.
1: Really. And so
0: the one of the most important things was uh, Professor Yu taught us how to get a good sound out of a range of percussion instruments. Um, at the same time, he also taught us to be very open-minded to the world of percussion. He didn't um, strictly tell us to only focus on one area or another. And he let each of us sort of choose our path. So some of my uh, uh, colleagues I went to school with, there's one uh, named Gerald Cleaver, who's now a famous drum set player in New York. Uh, other people pursued uh, orchestral music and mm-hmm. played in symphony orchestras. But during my junior year, I started to get this interest in the world percussion, I mean, traditions outside the United States. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to travel to Ghana in West Africa, where I lived for one year. So. Oh, no. But I, I do think the most important thing I learned at the University of Michigan was just to be open to the world of percussion, how to get a good sound, and and those are some ba- basic fundamentals that have uh, opened up the world for me.
1: <laughs> well, African music, I mean... Uh... Okay, I mean, even though America does have a connection, like, you know, we eat all these hip-hop and everything, it's the black Americans, yes, but how did you develop the interest for natural African music, like the Ugandan music research? Um,
0: both Ghana and Uganda, and I've also been to South Africa, too, and I've done research in all three areas. Um, the marimba that we play, the one I started playing at the age of six, Hmm. can trace its roots back to Africa. Um marimba is a word you hear in South Africa. It's a mm-hmm. South African word. It came during the period of slavery to um, Guatemala and southern Mexico where it's the national instrument in, in Chiapas State, Mexico and in Guatemala. And it was adapted by the people there into um, a different form. And uh, then, a hundred years ago, it came up north to the United States where we adapted it. So, I had been playing this instrument that had an African root all along and so that was partially, I think, what drew me into learning sort of the grandmother of of the instrument I'd been playing. Um, other than that, too, it's important to realize that um, American culture, in large, especially our music, is rooted in both European and African traditions. Um, our jazz music. Uh, wouldn't exist without either of the influences and so it's a a tradition that's drawn on many things from Europe and Africa so any uh, serious uh, jazz musician uh, has already been exposed to some elements of African music but of course I wanted to get to the root of things in my research and really uh, find out about these uh, traditions
1: So what do you think was the most special element of uh, you know these this kind of music from beat Uganda or South Africa. What do you think was the most special element of their music?
0: I think the the, the most special thing about African music it's all about community. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings the community together. In the United States, we spend a lot of time practicing by ourselves or, or with our teacher before we start playing with other people. In Africa. Um, the most fundamental aesthetic is participation. That's what gives their music meaning. And so all the time you're with other people and you're playing together, and the idea of even going and practicing by yourself is completely foreign. So when I I was living in Ghana, I was playing the jill, the same instrument I have here and that I played on the concert the other day, and starting to learn it, and I had several great teachers, but I would often try to take the instrument and go sit in my room. And I was doing some research in a remote village and trying to practice in my American way. And there was a young boy who would just sit outside my window. His name was Fairi, He was maybe 12 years old. He would sit and actually play with me. So he wow. was basically, even though he didn't speak English, it was kind of his way of saying, we don't do this. If you want to practice, just come outside and I'll practice with you. And so nice. yeah, yeah, so I think that's the thing that... Uh, really struck me about African music and what I've loved about it so much because my feeling is music is meant to bring people together and uh, certainly African music uh, embodies that that spirit.
1: I mean, we did realize that when we heard you play on the day of the concert because you were, the energy was kind of getting, you know, transmitted <laughs> and it was getting conveyed to the audience. They were clapping, applauding and cheering, yeah. so it was... It's sort of a vibe was felt yes. in the auditorium. So. That,
0: that made me very happy when I was hmm. playing and I heard the audience responding. And then the um, tabla player, D T I I played with, yes. he also had a nice interaction and, and really open ears. And uh, we did practice. I practiced together with Ditya before the concert. He he got the pieces right away. But actually, that's something I enjoy about Carnatic music, Um That's a little bit like our jazz music in the United States, where the audience is free to interact. They don't have to wait until the end of the composition before they can clap. And We do the same thing in jazz, so someone plays a solo, the audience uh, can cheer, uh, and the better the solo, the more excited they get. Um, uh, Western classical music, on the other hand, you're expected to sit quietly until the very end, and then you show your appreciation. So uh, even though Carnatic music is your classical music, I feel like uh, the the way the audience takes it in in a concert setting is a lot like jazz in the United States. So I felt at home when the audience was responding the way they did.
1: And in terms of improvisation on stage, what do you think are the similarities between jazz and Carnatic music?
0: Um, There's a certain freedom within each tradition. And there's a clear language uh, Mm -hmm. that Carnatic musicians have, just like jazz musicians have. Although they are very different Mm -hmm. languages. Um, But yeah, that sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And that um, it's important to express yourself. So um, in jazz, you don't really get tired of playing a piece because every time you play it, you can play it in a new way and find something interesting in it. And I think you can find that with the Carnatic musicians as well, that they're always exploring. It may be a piece they've played a hundred times before, but they're going to find a new way. Right. And you're expected to have your own identity. Mm -hmm. Um, In the jazz tradition, if you just transcribe Mm -hmm. a solo of a master Mm -hmm. and play it exactly it's not going to gain you a lot of respect. You really? have to create your own identity. And I believe in the Carnatic traditions, people also strive yes. to create their own identity and not simply play yes. exactly what their guru taught them.
1: Right, that's that's very yeah. similar. I mean, yes. I would say it's exactly the same here as yeah. well.
0: So. so, I mean, again, though, I should emphasize the language hmm. of jazz and the language of Carnatic music are, are quite different from one another. But at the same time, the, the freedom that both musics have um, are similar.
1: So, what is this instrument that I see here? Is this the one that is from Ghana? This Yeah,
0: this this is the Jill. Um This one is in G, so it has a five-note scale. Wow. And uh, yeah, this is the Jill, and It's from Ghana, and um, yeah, it's like the grandmother of the marimba. I grew up playing. The one I grew up playing has pipes underneath, Mm -hmm. um, but this one has gourds underneath. Some people in the audience actually thought they were clay pots, but they're actually large gourds. And you can hear when I play the, the bar of wood, the sound goes into the gourd. But one important feature of this instrument that's very different than Western music, and I think probably different than Carnatic music, it's a distinct African feature, is that it has that buzzing sound. So that adds... They believe it actually uh, adds a healing quality to the music. That the, the wow. buzzing sound helps to promote healing. And, and so this is an instrument does, that's yeah. important uh, to, uh, in the religious ceremonies of the bar uh, tradition in Ghana. But yeah, a jill is not a jill if it doesn't have that proper buzzing characteristic.
1: <laughs> and, and what is that made of? What is that? I mean, oh,
0: it's a gore? gourd underneath. And then they cut three holes in the size of the gourd. And then they cover them with a piece of paper actually traditionally it's a spider's egg casing they cover it with and so it creates a membrane that sort of breathes when you play it and that's what creates that, wow. that characteristic buzzing sound
1: i mean the instrument by itself looks very beautiful yes it's, it's, really a, it's, a, beautiful. it's a beautiful
0: instrument uh it's become one of my favorite instruments to play um I've been working now for 20 years with a great teacher in Ghana named Bernard Woma. Mm-hmm. And we play together all over the United States. And um, also we've played together in Ghana. And we'll be playing together uh, this spring in, in Germany. And wow. we have some pieces we've played with symphony orchestras too. So it, he's a great musician. Um, and I enjoy playing the, the jill. And I'm very fortunate to be able to perform with, with my guru from, from Ghana right. on a regular basis.
1: So... Tell me about some of your interesting festivals that you have been part of.
0: Oh, uh, so many. Um, well, I have a um, a record label called Jumbie Records. And uh, several years back, we organized a festival of African xylophone music in New York City, which was a really great event. We brought together um, different xylophone traditions Mm -hmm. from Africa, uh, some of which are not commonly heard in the United States. And it was quite a very big undertaking to organize my own festival and invite the musicians. so I appreciate uh, how much work goes into organizing a festival uh, and all the work that Shashikaran has done, inviting me, bringing me here and organizing this festival, which I say went, went very smoothly. Um, I also played a steel drum, which is an instrument from Trinidad in the mm-hmm. Caribbean. It's a, Actually, it's correctly referred to as a steel pan. That's the, the name of the instrument. Okay. But it's, a, it's made out of oil barrels and that's another instrument I play um, it's, it's much too big to carry out on the airplane <laughs> so but I also play that and I have organized my own festival of steel drum music um, as well in the United States and, and
1: how does it sound I'm just curious to know like
0: um, well you can you can go online and listen to some of the great <laughs> artists Uh, One of the greatest players uh, in the United States is a man named Andy Norell, who um, I had the chance to work with this past year. And you can certainly uh, find uh, his recordings. And there's uh, many, many great players uh, in in Trinidad, from Trinidad, uh, Ken Fillmore, uh, Boogsy Sharp. So uh, you just have to listen. It's a hard sound to describe. Um, It's an instrument that was made out of discarded oil barrels. So uh, it definitely reflects the culture I find it actually has some similarities to the African xylophone, both in terms of some of the rhythms and melodies, but also that kind of healing sound that comes out of it. The, the overtones of the steel drum produce that same kind of effect. Uh, in Trinidad, they call this the jumbie of the steel drum. It's the, the sort of spirit of the, the instrument that captures you. And that's actually why we named our record label uh, Jumby Records, because of that kind of spirit. And it's not something only in the Caribbean or in mm-hmm. American music, but something that you find all around the world is kind of... When you, when you meet someone who has that spirit, it yeah. sort of captivates you. And I've met many Carnatic musicians who also have that. Um, one of the very first Carnatic musicians I had the opportunity to, to perform with in the United States was the great uh, legendary drummer, uh, Murdungan player, Gurvayar Durai, and uh, I noticed right away that he had that same kind of spirit, that, that Jambi <laughs> I think uh, Durai sir is a Murdungam Jambi <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very true, yeah, you know why I was curious to know is because you have a band that's based on steel rum, so yeah. I was just curious to know how, you know, it's uh, it could be adapted to like, you know, probably Carnatic music even though yes we do have limitations you can't be bringing it on on with you but i was just curious to know how it's yes it i will send you an mp3 everything. and you can play it
0: for your listeners
1: <laughs> yes that'll be great though so post this the creation of jambi records if you know you you have several bands that you're part yes, of yes several and uh, uh you know how do you do them like a how do you find time to practice with this many musicians and uh, how do you get going
0: Well, I just keep going. I'm always playing music or teaching music. Uh, You know, sometimes (laughs) you have very little time to to sleep or to do other things. But, I mean, that's part of the whole jumbie is that spirit that that gives you the drive to do it. I mean, I think that's important to to be a musician. Um, But the different groups, I mean, some uh, don't, you know, play every week. If each one of them played every week, it would be impossible. So some... Won't play for a little while, but I do have a band uh, I play with in New York uh, called Imaginary Homeland. That's a very exciting project that I've been working on for well over 10 years. And and we bring together um, the jazz tradition with some of these traditions that the leader of the group, David Rogers, and I have both studied uh, in Africa, Mm -hmm. so that's a very exciting project. Um, But I think the key to not feeling overwhelmed is to understand the connections. So as you move from one group or project to another, if you can understand the the commonalities that each different group or type of music have, then you won't feel so crazy. So as I'm preparing for a performance with Imaginary Homeland, then when I turn around to perform with my own steel band or my percussion group... I'm still in practice and I just have to change to a different repertoire of music. So, it <laughs> right. keeps me in shape.
1: <laughs> so, how were your sessions practicing with Anil Srinivasan and Sekil Guru it was
0: It was fantastic. Um, interestingly, my business partner in uh, the United States and the leader of the group I just mentioned, Imaginary Homeland, mm-hmm. uh, David Rogers, he works at Columbia University. And so, uh, I went uh, to Anil's apartment only after mm-hmm. arriving here. Twelve hours wow. later... And I sat down and I'm talking to him, and next thing you know, he knows my good friend David Rogers, and I've only been in India for 12 hours, and it made it feel like such a small world. I came halfway around the world, and here's this guy who knows my friend, and he's actually played music with him before. Uh, So that was a great beginning, just to have that common connection. Um, But Anil is someone that I would describe as being bi-musical, sort of like bilingual. And that's really helpful in, um, right. in these kind of collaborations because he can speak the language of Carnatic music right. and he can speak the language of Western classical music, and then someone like myself trained in Western classical music, um, he can convey what he wants played uh, right. quite easily. So that really helped a lot. Um, you know, these kind of collaborations, it's very important that when you bring two traditions uh, together, hmm. that there's... Uh, an understanding at a deeper level of both traditions and I, I really love what he's doing it's it's quite exciting i know that the piano is very new to carnatic music yes. um but yeah we had a, a good rehearsal um he's very organized he was able to write out some things for me um and uh i enjoyed working with sakil too he's a wonderful singer and uh um, just listening to him and then the um, young uh, tabla players also the upcoming uh, a musician, very talented, and I liked uh, the lyricism of his playing. You know, sometimes people think of drums only as a rhythm instrument, but my favorite drummers of all types, whether it be drum set players in the United States or I guess tabla players too, is that he really made the instrument sing, and that was a, a, a breath of fresh air to work right. with someone like that.
1: So, how is your experience as a teacher? How how you know, uh, how does it, how do I phrase that? How interesting is teaching at the Oakland University?
0: Oh, teaching is a wonderful thing to do. Um, you know, it's it's actually a responsibility. Um, I was talking, I went and visited uh, Guru Vayudharaj just the other day, and I realized that's also part of the Carnatic tradition, that you're expected to to. Not just hold on to what you know, but but teach others. And uh, I know that uh, Dereiser is very proud of his many students. Actually, one of his students uh, is an Indian American who also comes from Michigan. Well. Uh, Rohan Krishnamurthy. Okay. And um, I've had the opportunity to collaborate with Rohan in the past, um, which also helped me to to prepare for my trip. I mean, Anil wasn't the first person uh, for me to collaborate with, but um, back to teaching. Um, You know, I've been able to study many different types of music and travel around the world, um, but it's also important for me to share that with people in my home state of Michigan. Um, In fact, when I went to Uganda um, as a Rotary Scholar um, and worked with the xylophone group there, um, just the month before I left, there was a special ceremony that they had, a, a, a traditional ceremony where they presented the xylophone to me. Um, And in that ceremony, they made it very clear, it's the thing that I remember the most about it, they made it very clear that I must go back and share with people in the United States all I had learned, that that was my responsibility, because I was in fact the first American uh, to come and study this tradition called the Imbairi, which is a word very similar to Marimba, and so they saw it as my responsibility. and up to that point, I had so much fun learning, and then I just felt this weight on my shoulders. Like, whoa, they're right. You know, they just spent a year teaching me all this music. And they said, you know, you can't forget the music. You have to remember all that we taught you. And you have to share it in the United States. And so it's an obligation that I have. And it's also a pleasure, though, to keep my promise to my African teachers, but also share this music with students uh, in the United States and let them learn about these traditions.
1: So you've been learning for quite a while, I and mean, I'm, I'm sure you continue to learn. So when you teach your students, what do you tell them?
0: Oh, it, it depends what, what I'm teaching, of course. But, you know, I, I think it's important as a teacher to find doorways in to the music. So I meet the student where they're at. Um, right now I have an extremely talented a graduate student uh, named Patrick, who I can really push hard, and I can throw anything at him, and he's eager. But if I pushed a younger student that hard, it could scare them away. So a younger student, you know, I, I might just approach uh, with some really basic things and some of the basic concepts of just how to get a good sound, uh, basic rhythmic concepts, basic melodic concepts. Uh, so it is no one way that I teach. Right. I, I find a way for each student, but. The most important thing is to get them excited <laughs> about the music and to share that excitement um, in playing. Um, the way I teach is not different than the way that Carnatic musicians teach, is that you know, we each sit together with our instrument and I teach through example playing and they listen. Um, and even when uh, we use written music, we still teach <laughs> in that way. So even if we have it written down, we still demonstrate. Because even when a music is written down, there's so much that's missing from the page. Um, it, you know, uh, all music traditions are actually have a certain element of oral tradition in them, even when you can write them down.
1: There is a view that Carnatic uh, music needs to be reached out to people even more than what it is today. So, as a musician who's come down from the united states what would you think is one of the ways or few of the ways that people here could adopt so that you know they can they can take this music further
0: i think the important thing is to just um if if you're talking about uh, people outside of india or people outside of the carnatic tradition is to expose people To. to carnatic music and especially let uh, those master artists, you know, people like, you know, I was very fortunate that the first artist I interacted with, uh, you know, was Guru Durai. And so people who have that passion, yes. because that passion is something that can sort of move across cultures. I mean, uh, an American audience, even if they don't understand Carnatic music at all, if you have one of these great, great musicians who plays with such passion, um, that can connect to the audience, so I think that's the important thing. I don't. I, I think you can have um, performances that are very true to the tradition. Um, and you don't have to, you know, fuse it with other musics, mm-hmm. um, but you have to try to expose audiences to the, the top level players. And I know that there's different musicians who travel to the United States, of course, mm-hmm. yearly and do that. Um, at the same time though these uh, types of what you call fusion musics that bring together elements of other cultures um, that can also be a doorway in so say somebody who loves uh, classical piano music and say you have a a bi-musical musician like uh, a Neo who sort of In his music, he does certainly have... Even his approach to playing and the the fine sound that he gets out of the piano, you can tell that he's a classically classically Western-classically trained uh, musician. And so I think that can be a doorway in. In other words, maybe there's some elements of the music that are familiar to the listener, that they hear, say, someone who loves Western classical music. But then at the same time, someone like Anil could be introducing carnatic elements... Right. And then maybe if they're interested enough in that type of music, then they'll want to see a purely uh, traditional Carnatic uh, carnatic, uh, concert. Of course, um, you know, the the famous... um, I realize it was uh, a mixture of Hindustani and Carnatic musicians, but the famous uh, Shakti project, um, that did a lot to introduce uh, Indian music to jazz musicians Hmm. in the United States because in that project elements of jazz were combined with elements of Indian music and so people like myself who love jazz, yes. you know, might be interested in hearing that and, and it might pique our interest, you know, when we when we hear you know a, a, a master player, you know like Zakir Hussain and we hear that, wow, and so then we want to go further and hear uh, Zakir Hussain, you know, playing the roots uh, right. music as well so I, I certainly think to be successful people have to be uh, well trained in the, the the tradition and, and be masters of, of the tradition, um, but certainly you can find ways in terms of programming to reach out to new audiences. Right,
1: I'm sure several people would have appreciated you for your concerts and your performance. <laughs>
0: Conversations that make you swing. Karnataka Coffee Chat on the Karnataka Channel.
1: Are there incidents or instances which are very special and very close to your heart? Could be uh, other musicians or something that really touched you?
0: You mean here in India or in general? In general. Oh, I mean, I've been very fortunate throughout my career to play many concerts. Uh, uh, To to just choose one uh, is difficult. But sometimes it's not um, the biggest concert. It's the the moment, uh, just getting to play with a certain musician or uh, people showing a certain level of appreciation. Um, this past summer, when I was in Ghana, um, I brought a group of my students to Ghana. Mm-hmm. I was invited to play with uh, my teacher's dance group, which is called Sakamu. And it was not a, a huge performance, but it was it was a fun event. But getting to do that, and then Bernard's uh, brother uh, afterwards, the way he was so happy, my performance, he even gave me um, a smock, he gave me an outfit, you know, just to thank me for the performance they gave, so, you know, it's it's moments like that, where you you reach a deeper connection with someone uh, through the music, I mean, sometimes it's not even a performance, it can just be two musicians sitting down on their own, and to me, that's always very special uh, when that happens. So that's just one instance uh, from this past summer, Uh, but throughout my career I've been uh, fortunate to to collaborate with many uh, great artists and have had those kind of special moments with them.
1: What do you do in your leisure time?
0: Leisure time? Um, I don't get a lot of leisure time. (laughs) I have have
1: a family. Uh, I I
0: have uh, two older children and, and also one uh, baby, uh, who's uh, only eleven months old now. Oh, my. So my baby girl, uh, Ellery, I get to spend uh, a lot of time with her. And then my older kids, I enjoy seeing them grow up and the things that they're doing. Um, so I, it's, I try to spend time with my family. And my wife is also a musician. Wow! And, and what does she do? She's a, a singer, a songwriter. She plays guitar and she also plays a steel drum. So. Wow. When I have free time, I try to focus on my family, do things with them, because um, I'm, I'm so busy that any time that I have, it feels important to spend with my family.
1: So do your kids also play these instruments? I mean, I'm sure they're fascinated seeing these. Uh
0: Interestingly, um, my my two older children, uh, Kwame is my older son, he's now uh, 19, and my daughter Abana is 17. Um, Interestingly, they were drawn to play violin.
1: Oh, wow. And both
0: of them as kids played the violin. Uh, My group, Imaginary Homeland, uh, we've played with uh, many uh, great uh, violin players, including um, a well-respected jazz musician, Regina Carter, Mm -hmm. and also a lady named Marlene Rice. And it was a concert I believe Marlene was playing. Uh, My daughter came to it. She was only six, and she heard Marlene play. And it's that kind of spirit that I was talking about. She heard Marlene play, and, and I didn't tell her to play the violin. She just, after the concert came, and said, Dad, I want to play the violin. And so it's because of that that she started playing. And then actually, my son saw my daughter playing the violin. <laughs> so he also, well, actually, he picked up the viola, which is a little bit bigger than the violin. It's, a, it's a, um, like the alto of the violin family. So he started playing that. Um, they both uh, continued uh, to play... Uh, My son played all the way through high school and played in the orchestra. My daughter stopped after uh, middle school, Uh, but they're still artistic. Uh, My daughter is actually very um, into uh, uh, writing poetry and is working on writing a play right now. So she's very interested in the language arts and she's thinking of uh, majoring in that in college. And my son Kwame, he's very interested in the graphic arts he wants to design video games and all those things, That's and he's—he's like he's a rude, great. I was
1: fine. <laughs>
0: he's a great uh, visual artist, uh, his drawings and everything are fantastic. So, um, they haven't chosen to go into music, but they both have artistic inclination.
1: It's lovely. I mean, have music, poetry, and drawing. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's—it's it's like this whole. Uh, collaboration with different kinds of arts. Yeah. It's very aesthetic like you said. So what do you do? Like are you a very adventurous person or you're pretty uh, oh, easygoing and? I,
0: I, I think I'm pretty easygoing and adventurous at the same time in, in the sense that um, I love to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, when Shashikaran invited me to India I didn't hesitate to, <laughs> to come. You know uh, I, I know some of my friends might be more hesitant to just Pack up their things and go off to India, not knowing what to expect. So I'm adventurous in that way. Um, I really love to, to travel, and um, at, at the same time, I like. To, actually, it's part of traveling. You you can't be too high maintenance of a person if you're going to travel. You have to find ways to right. adapt to your environment, try new food, and, <laughs> and you know, try to understand the different languages people speak around the world. So you have to be easygoing adventurous yes. at the same time.
1: <laughs> so, so what's the most adventurous thing that you've ever done? Oh, because I mean, you would have traveled quite a bit because of your research and your performances as well. And yeah. being a person who loves travel, what's like the most adventurous thing that you've done?
0: Yeah. Um. I guess I would say you know, um, in Uganda, I was probably the furthest removed from the type of culture I grew up in. Uh, working with the the xylophone group there called the Nachi Bembe group because their their village was so uh, far away from any main city. It was very, very rural, going out there. And um, I recall doing a performance with them where we packed up the bars of the xylophone, put them on the back of their bicycles, and we rode like for three hours on these dirt roads. And It was kind of, I guess, the moment in my life where I was so far removed from everything i had ever known and i was just really? so far away <laughs> oh uh, and uh, it was a very exciting performance because i was doing my research and i was studying with them and i could tell just the energy it was a special performance they were giving and they were playing i was making some recordings and then about halfway through they invited me to come and play with them and i was a little nervous and <laughs> i came and played uh a couple compositions uh, with them. So I th- that was uh, definitely a big adventure. And even that night, after we finished playing, it was early in the morning, and I thought, well, maybe our hosts are going to offer us a place to sleep or something. And then I look at the guys, and they're just laying down on the side of the xylophone. It's a very big xylophone. I think it's uh, twice as long as that bed. So it's like huge. Yeah, it's huge xylophone. You play, six people play it at the same time. This is called oh. the mbira. yeah, it's huge. And so we each just sitting there and then we lay down by the instrument <laughs> and we slept. And you know, I was just like, this is wild, you know, I'm just <laughs> out in the middle so of true, what yeah? seems like the middle of nowhere to me. I, this remote village in East Africa. And now I'm sleeping next to the instrument,
1: so
0: um, that was a huge adventure. I also participated in a carnival. Which is a huge festive occasion in, in Trinidad. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, carnival is something uh, we practice throughout the Catholic world. So, in uh, and, and the Christian tradition, of course, we have Easter and uh, the, the 40 days before Easter is called Lent. And so, uh, of course, I know there's many Catholics here in Chennai as well. Um, you have the, the famous uh, church there, but um, before the 40 days, where we have fasting and, and so on. We have a huge party. <laughs> it's oh. sort of like to have a big party before the days of, of fasting. This is a, you know, an a important tradition. Uh, you have it in the United States and mm-hmm. New Orleans. They call it Mardi Gras. But I, I took part in it in Trinidad, mm-hmm. which was just a, a, a wonderful event. I got mm-hmm. to play the steel drum throughout the festival. And, and during the, the carnival time, I actually played the steel drum for 17 hours within a 24-hour period. Oh so my God. it was just like non-stop, playing, playing, playing. And, and I know that Shashikaran is also known for giving long, long concerts, but uh, we did take little breaks. But, you know, within like a 24-hour period, we had played a total of 17 hours and just...
1: That's <laughs> terrific. <laughs> you just request so much of energy to do that.
0: Yeah, it does require a lot of energy. Yes. You definitely have to be prepared physically and mentally and, yes, they are to, to, to take work, so. uh, to take on such an mm-hmm. undertaking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My god. So what's been your most favorite destination?
0: Whoa, that's that's hard to say. A couple uh, of them, since I, you've traveled I, I so much. I should say that you know, I've enjoyed uh, being here in Chennai, it's a wonderful place. But I have to say the most beautiful city I have ever been to is Cape Town, South Africa. It is just a gorgeous uh, city. Uh, if, if anyone ever has the opportunity to go to Cape Town, it's a definitely very rich uh, culture. There are actually uh, many uh, Indians, you know, of course, living um, in South Africa. You have uh, different groups of people. It's a very uh, mixed culture um, and uh, yeah, just absolutely beautiful, and a, a rich music tradition there as well. So, huh. I suppose that's the the just most striking place. You just wake up and you're looking at the mountain, the ocean. And, you know, it <laughs> makes it's you want to. Naturally beautiful. <laughs> yes, yeah. it makes you want to just move there. <laughs> so uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I I, I guess uh,
0: you know, I really am a big fan of Cape Town.
1: <laughs> so maybe someday you will settle down in Cape
0: Town. <laughs> uh, no, probably not because. Um, you know, I, it's wonderful to travel, but sure, it's important yeah. to also keep your home yes. identity. And so as I travel, I, I always keep coming back to the, the place where I grew up. You know, I actually uh, was, was born in, in Pontiac, Michigan, and now I teach at the university that's right next to my birthplace. So I have nice. I may have traveled the world, but in life I haven't really moved very far at all. But it's, it's nice for me to, to go and travel and then bring... Uh, my experiences back and share them right. with my, my home community and I think it keeps me rooted so I'll, I'll probably just continue <laughs> to live there and travel, travel as much as people. I can yeah.
1: it's kind of similar to what musicians here think as well when they could travel to places but all they want to do is come back to Chennai and you know sing for these organizations yeah, yeah. it's very special thing.
0: yeah it keeps you grounded yes Yeah.
1: so what's your favorite cuisine
0: oh my favorite mm-hmm. cuisine uh, Actually, there's a type of food that they eat in Ghana that's called fufu. <laughs> and I'm a huge fan of fufu. I, when I was in Ghana this past summer, I ate fufu every chance I got. Oh my god. It's uh, a, a kind of a starch they make out of a plantain which they mash, and then they have a very spicy uh, soup that they serve it with. And it's just something that I've acquired. In. For it. So. The name and,
1: sounds good too, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, the correct pronunciation is fufu. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's one of my favorite things to eat. Um, although I like uh, you know quite a range of food, I enjoy the food here in Did India. Did you get
1: to eat good South Indian food here?
0: Yeah, I think so. I've been to some different places. I, I never know even what it is I'm eating. <laughs> I just try the different things. But yeah, I'm also a vegetarian, so I enjoy uh, that it's very easy to get good vegetarian food here.
1: So what do you think of Chennai? I mean, um, I know that you've not been uh, outside Unfortunately, much, I've, but... I've been
0: so busy uh, that I, I haven't got to uh, travel uh, too much around the city. I did get to go to the beach, which was, you know, this uh, huge beach and it was full of people. So that was really nice to see everyone uh, out on the beach right. and having a good time. Um, one thing that strikes me as I look out at Chennai is how crowded it is. It's just, there's buildings <laughs> right. everywhere.
1: And people and, everywhere,
0: and people, and cars everywhere, and the cars and the people and the bicycles and the trucks right. are all sharing the road somehow. Um, yeah, so it's it's, uh, it's it's reminds me a little bit of, of New York City, the way that there's just concrete everywhere you look.
1: <laughs> That's like a great comparison, though. <laughs> well, I think
0: they they actually have a fair amount in common. You know, New York City is one of the capitals of music in the United States. Uh, Certainly it's a place that every jazz musician uh, yeah. has to go, um, even if they're not from New York. Uh, and I think uh, Chennai has that same kind of reputation right. for, for music. Uh, uh, New York is also you know, known as the city that doesn't sleep. There's a concert happening every day, uh, I mean, many concerts happening every day, hearing some of the greatest musicians in the United States. And so I think there are some, some similarities in that aspect.
1: So, tell me about your association with Again, How has it been?
0: And... Oh, I think Shashikaran is an incredible singer and a great entrepreneur. Um, you know, because I have traveled and I teach world music, that's actually my position at the at the university, mm-hmm. at Oakland University. I'm a professor of world music and percussion. And so, because that's my expertise in you know, world music, which is really... I mean, nobody knows everything about the world. Um, You know, I've specialized in African music and Caribbean uh, music. uh, But um, whenever somebody comes uh, to my university who might be from another part of the world, they always send them to me. Um, The academic study is called ethnomusicology. And and having been trained in ethnomusicology by a great teacher uh, named Dr. Mantle Hood, Um, I have been exposed to different types of music. At least I've heard music from many, many parts of the world. So, you know, I had heard Carnatic music long before I ever met Sashi or or got to collaborate with him and uh, Ganesh and... uh, Director. Um, so actually, one day I was just sitting in my office, and uh, Sashikran came and knocked on my door and said, "Hi, <laughs> I'm a musician from India. They told me that you're the one I should talk to. I'd like to, you know, do a lecture demonstration here." And I said, "Oh, okay." And I sat down. And I talked to him for a little while. I could see that he was very serious. And then I invited him into my classroom uh, to present uh, for my students, just like a workshop. Yeah. And I could see right away that he was a, a talented teacher and singer. And it was it was we connected right away in, in that sense. Um, and so then he invited me uh, to, I think, a performance he was giving in Michigan. I got to hear him perform. Um, and then afterwards I said, you know, next time you come back... I'd like to try to organize a performance for you at my university, at Oakland University. So the following year, uh, he returned, and that's when he had a sir, mm-hmm. uh with him. And of course, Ganesh was there with the Carnatic brothers. Uh, and so uh, we gave a concert, and uh, another friend of mine who's uh, traveled to India and plays guitar named Scott Loudon mm-hmm. uh, took part in that concert because he wow. also is a big fan of Indian music. And then a friend of mine named Miguel Gutierrez, who's a great percussionist, uh, also took part in the concert. So we had this collaboration. Wow. And we spent about a week just uh, practicing nonstop, and these guys were showing us so much stuff. And and Scott, the guitar player, he composed some music based on his travels in India, so he brought that music in. And that ended up being the main music for the concert, Scott's music. Mm-hmm. And so we had this uh, collaboration, and they, as uh, Scott said, they sort of... Uh, uh, Indianized his composition So he, he hardly could recognize it anymore So they just took it And they added all of these Carnatic elements to it And next thing you know Like this song that he wrote That's like five minutes long It became 45 minutes long It's a huge thing And all the improvisation And yeah. and uh, you know it, it had touches of uh, Indian music Because it was inspired by his trip But it was still a western uh, piece But then these guys came in So it was a nice uh, way to collaborate yes. Um
1: It should have sounded great. Oh, it
0: was. It was a fantastic uh, concert. It was a great experience, uh, very exciting. And and after that concert, I realized that this was something that I wanted to spend some time... uh, You know, I'm very careful in in the things that I select to to study, because there is only so much time. You know, you can't uh, begin to master everything. So, but after that concert, I was so inspired, I decided, okay, I, I need to try to start learning a little bit about this music, and, and so you know, I took a, a few lessons uh, with oh, wow. um, Duray and, and so that gave me a, a little bit of sense of the rhythmic structure, and then Sashikaran and Ganesh were explaining some of the tonal structure uh, as mm-hmm. well to me. Um, certainly I want to continue to, to, to grow and understand the, the depth of the music. I know it's going to take many years to really fully understand it.
1: So you've been here for the festival for many days here and you've been listening to concerts. Yes. Uh, specifically, what do you think or or what do you like about the percussion, the way the percussion instruments are used in Carnatic music?
0: Oh, uh, the I mean, all of the the musicians I saw at the festival, I mean, not just the percussionists, but the, the singers and the violin players, um, they were all fantastic. Um, I, I guess it's not just the percussion, but I really enjoy the interaction between the musicians. So, I mean, you hear the violin player answering uh, the singer as they're playing, you hear the kanjira player, the gatam player uh, answering the murdangam, and so there's this kind of musical dialogue that's going on and it's very fun to to listen to that and um, You know, of course there there's an element of improvisation and all of that. So I certainly enjoy Just listening and watching the interaction between uh, the musicians um, There weren't many concerts where the percussion was featured though. I think it was yes. generally seen as accompaniment yes. so um, You know, I, I think it would be a beautiful thing if, if they might feature uh, some of the percussionists a little bit more in some of the concerts, you know. Uh, let them have center stage a little bit sometimes too, uh, because the, the the talent that you have in the Carnatic percussion tradition is immense. And so, um, you know, of course, the violin players and singers also excellent. So um, it was, it, when the instruments were featured though at, at different moments, it was a, a delight to hear um, the, the ideas that they played.
1: And what are your future plans? How do you want to take this further? And what do you, how do you see yourself uh, taking it to other audiences like the way you did to Chennai audience? Oh, i are very new to this. So. Yes.
0: Um, you know, I'd like to just continue to be able to collaborate with Shashikaran and, and Anil and other musicians. Um, my plan is actually to continue to, to study, um, take some kanjira lessons, wow. try to you know understand the, the fundamentals, and, and, and at least by playing the kanjira learn more of the basics, um, and, and definitely also you know with Shashikaran and Ganesh also begin to understand the, the melodic elements more. So, and I think the more I understand about the raga and the tala, the easier it's going to be to um, collaborate. Uh, even though musicians like Anil may be able to write stuff out for me, the more I understand, the less yeah. he would have to do that. Um, so my goal is to to continue. You know, it's like it's like studying a new language. Right. You know, when you study a language, of course you can't expect to just speak it overnight. You know, yes. um, I grew up with American music and certainly rooted in the Western classical tradition. So speaking that language, and then over 20 years now, I've been studying African music. So I feel like I've become fairly fluent in that uh, language as well. So this is a, a new language for yes. me. Um, so I know for sure, though, I want to continue to try to learn how to speak this language uh, in ways. And then I think the more I understand it, the easier these collaborations will be. Um, in Michigan, um, my university uh, hosts uh, each year a festival called the Sarovar Festival. There's a group of uh, Indian Americans who uh, organize it. And um, I've been the host for the festival the last two years. We're going to do it um, again this year uh, in May. So I I want us to continue doing that each year. So I I definitely want to continue to host the festival um, because they're able to bring in some great Carnatic Mm -hmm. musicians um, for that. Um, And I know uh, Shashikaran and Ganesh, they come to uh, the U.S. each year. And so when they come, I definitely want to continue to perform with them to collaborate with them and I'd like to you know find ways uh, to bring these musicians to a wider American audience there's certainly many Indian Americans who organize great concerts um, and sometimes when I go to them I'm the only person from outside of their community there and so it's fantastic that they're bringing these great musicians in but what I would like to do as an educator and as a musician is to help them reach out to even wider audience so um, Americans of all different backgrounds uh, right. may be able to experience the, the beauty of Carnatic music. Yeah. So that's certainly one of my goals. And also, uh, Shashikaran has already invited me to come back here next year. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I definitely uh, would take him up on the an offer and, and come back again.
1: Of course, that'll be great to listen to you again.
0: Would... Rohan, uh, who's also a student of, of Gura- Dreiser. Uh, he's doing a, a PhD um, where he's focusing on the ways that YouTube and uh, uh, Skype have been used. Of course, many Carnatic musicians teach through Skype, and um, and so he's actually focusing on, on on this technology and the way it's being used to uh, share traditions.
1: Wow! Yeah. So, what's your thoughts on this? The the Carnatica channel.
0: The Karnataka Channel self, oh, so my, my point, sorry, I got off track there. My, my point is that uh, it, it's really great that everyone around the world can have access to this channel in, in the same way that people have access to um, yes. musicians through, through Skype and, and, and through YouTube and so on. But yeah, to have a channel you know, dedicated to the music is wonderful. And I'll definitely be referring my students to the channel so they can listen to... The different Carnatic music. Um, yeah. I don't know if people here I mean, how many people listen to the channel, but hopefully you'll get many, many more listeners.
1: On that note, we hope to see you and listen to you. And thank you so much, Mark. It was great talking to you. Oh,
0: thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Bye now. Carnatica Coffee Chat, behind the scenes of the Carnatic world.